You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. This is Matt Gunn, joined today by Brian Nella. Hello, Brian. Hey, Matt. Today, I want to talk about some of the strategic goals of supply chains in 2016 and sort of see where companies are as they're looking at setting their priorities for the future. Now, we've got some pretty interesting data here. And one thing that stands out to me is that in the last 12 months, so throughout 2015, one out of four, about 25% of supply chains have experienced disruption because of things outside of their control. These could be issues with suppliers, it could be challenges at contracted factories, it could be issues in shipping. We see in global supply chains, any number of things can happen, it doesn't have to be weather related. But another even more interesting fact is that 19% of supply chain disruptions have come from within. So. Even the things that companies can control often cause them challenges when it comes to getting their business done. So my question to you, Brian, is what are some of the things that we're seeing supply chains deal with? So what's interesting here, Matt, about this study, and to provide some background, we surveyed 250 senior-level manufacturing executives in late December. And as you said, the idea here was to identify some of the issues, challenges, and goals looking ahead in 2016. And you're seeing high numbers of disruptions caused by factors either internally or externally, you know, depending on what you're looking at. So on the internal side, it could be things such as labor issues, technology issues, things along those lines. And if you flip it over to external, you know, it can be anything from weather to labor strikes to supplier-related issues to raw material-related issues. So there's any number of facts and figures here. So if you look at the whole packet, you know, the total was 40% who reported some type of disruption. And actually, we've seen numbers that are even larger, as high as 74% in some other studies where individuals indicated some form of uh, disruption in the prior year. So... What we've found is looking at these numbers and then looking at their priorities of these supply chain executives, we see some misalignment between the two. Right. Just to take a look at an example, a recent example in the news of one of these disruptions, Toyota Motors, they had to shut down operations because one of their primary suppliers of steel had an explosion at its factory. Toyota couldn't have controlled this. And in the meantime, it stopped them from making, say, about 70,000 vehicles over several weeks. Those numbers are going to have an impact down the road on Toyota's bottom line. So this is a big thing. We think about earthquakes and hurricanes and big storms a lot of times, but it can always be something that is not as much expected. And with that, okay, it speaks to the nature of supply chains, right? They're big, they're global, they're very much distributed. Meanwhile, companies their focus is not always on the supply chain as a whole. Is that correct? It seems like this study that we're looking at shows that perhaps strategically, these companies are looking at bottom line cost savings, but not the bigger effect. Right. And even just to call out some of the, you know, the impact of some of these disruptions, you know, think about the West Coast port strikes last year, and some of the numbers that we've seen call out as much as $7 billion in lost commerce due to the bottlenecks that occurred at those ports. So yeah, exactly. There's some huge impact that has really long-term implications throughout the supply chain. And to look at some of the specific goals and some of the near-term focuses for manufacturing execs, you're right, there's kind of a, a disconnect. For example, the high 
highest goal and biggest concern in the study shows 41% saying reducing cost is the biggest concern. Again, if you think about reducing costs, I mean, yes, it's important, especially during slow or volatile economic times, but there's a big difference between being tactical and cost-cutting and eliminating excess waste here and there where you can, but it's very difficult, if not impossible, to cut your way to growth, right? So it's very short-sighted in that sense. And if you think about the impact of potential disruptions, cost-cutting probably should not be necessarily a priority if you're looking to be more agile, more resilient as a global supply chain. Right. And in and of itself, reducing costs can mean a lot of things. At a very simple, fundamental level, maybe that's reducing workforce and outsourcing more of your production or moving from in-house manufacturing to contract manufacturing or choosing different shippers just because they cost less. But each of these things inside of a vacuum might save you some money right now. If you're not able to see your supply chain, know that your suppliers are able to live up to the standards that you contracted them at. A lot of things can go wrong. So yeah, if you think about you know Toyota and yeah, the impact of 60 or 70,000 vehicles, they're not going to be able to get on the road or the impact of the port strikes or some of the recent explosion that we had. It has a crippling effect that's much more impactful than any type of cost-cutting initiative that someone might deploy. And so that's what's most troubling. And again, if I'm looking to eliminate or mitigate the risks of disruption, things like end-to-end visibility, transparency, traceability. Strikingly, looking at this survey, in terms of goals, increasing visibility, only 4% called that out as a top initiative. Increasing transparency, only 3%. So the focus is very misguided. If you think about the big picture issues and then what the goals are, there's kind of a disconnect. And one of the big numbers that we saw that really stood out was when we asked these manufacturers about their level of engagement at the sea level, the presence of a chief supply chain officer. And surprisingly, 76% of manufacturers studied said that they are operating without a chief supply chain officer. And this really limits your ability to operate strategically, to have an impact across the business. You know, if you think about Supply chain, it touches every part of, of the organization from marketing to sales to development, obviously distribution and getting your goods in the right hands. And it's just surprising to see so few uh, companies, only 24% actually having a chief supply chain officer deployed. So when you look at these companies, you're looking at things like maybe you've got a head of procurement and a head of logistics and transportation, and then you've got the CFO, and you've got all these other people that are interested in different aspects of the supply chain, but there's no one to tie it all together at that C-level and have the buy-in from your corporate execs that you kind of need when you're setting a strategy to develop a global supply chain. Right. I mean, you look at some of the external factors that you called out earlier, you know, 24% said that currency fluctuations and geopolitical risk are the biggest factors to impact the supply chain. And you need somebody at the sea level if you're going to try to take advantage or harness or mitigate some of those risks. You know, for example, someone at the sea level might be able to hedge some of that currency risk if they're able to say, you know, I have this global network and we're across 20 different countries with different currency rates and we can somehow 
take our accounts, you know, our, our payables, our invoices, and map those into different currency rates, we can leverage the breadth and depth of our supply network to shield our revenue and our profits against the strength of the U.S. dollar by hedging against certain currencies. And it takes a senior level executive, most likely a a chief supply chain officer who has that strategic thinking and that strategic mobility to navigate across the senior level of an organization to make something like that happen. It really is true that the supply chain is the backbone of the entire organization. Uh, It's what enables these massive global companies to not only procure and produce goods, but to transport them to markets and ultimately sell them to the right customers at the right time, at the right price, and these things that we're thinking of. Reducing cost is not a strategy in itself. It's up to senior leadership to look at a set of disciplines, perhaps, or maybe technologies that they adopt in order to ensure profitable demand fulfillment, to be able to manage your network better, not simply to cut down on the bottom line. Exactly. If you speak to you know, the gartners of the world that have their hand on the pulse of global supply chain, you know, it's all about end-to-end supply chain visibility, you know, being able to track and control the movement of goods across the entire chain. And with that visibility comes greater capabilities for agility, or strategic moves, let's say, where you're eliminating distribution centers and cutting out days and dollars from the supply chain by being more efficient, being more strategic, doing postponement strategies. So that end-to-end visibility becomes the foundation for greater growth and greater cost cutting. And that gets into strategic cost cutting opposed to you know the tactical stuff that can actually hinder your growth opposed to supporting it. Okay. So we've taken a look at some of the disruptions that happen, some of the goals and priorities, maybe we've embashed companies a little bit for not having a chief advocate for the supply chain within their organization, but they are thinking about moving into the future, though, and they are adopting technologies and systems and tools that will help them build a better supply chain in the long run. What are some of the things that most companies see as a direct path to their future right now? Well, surprisingly, you had 17% of respondents saying that they weren't sure what technology will have the most impact on their supply chain. So there's some uncertainty there. But some of the items that did come up are advanced analytics, Internet of Things, you know, things like 3D printing and RFID. But again, things like analytics or IoT, these aren't simple plug-in or or bolt-on types of solutions, right? These require in-depth strategies for how am I going to capture data, maybe with the Internet of Things, and then how am I going to make sense of it? And this gets into the advanced analytics. Am I, you know, capturing descriptive analytics or am I getting further into prescriptive? And then how am I going to harness that to make smarter and better decisions? And then how do I leverage that data to become smarter and almost have that feedback loop where I'm constantly improving, you know, via that analytics feed. So looking at these technologies, it's interesting to see some of these called out as priorities. But again, without that real strategic vision, it's hard to deploy and find value in these. So it is going to take good leadership in the end 
One last question. From what you've seen in this study, from what these 250 supply chain executives across the United States are saying, are you confident that most companies are heading in the right direction? Well, I think companies, manufacturers in general, have all made significant progress in the last few years. I mean, the topic of supply chain is becoming more top of mind. I mean, you hear about it, it's written about, um, you know, exponentially more today than it was just, say, 10 years ago. Going back 10, 20 years, you mentioned supply chain at a cocktail party, and, and people probably weren't quite sure exactly what you're talking about. And today, just given the global nature of business, the fact that things are increasingly outsourced, and due to the fact that the average consumer is so much more aware of where their goods are being produced, where they're coming from, there's a greater interest and greater insight in the topic of supply chain, and hence, companies have recognized that, you know, I, I need to get smarter, I need to have a better handle on it. And there's this broader understanding that what occurs two or three layers down in the supply chain is my responsibility. And it's no longer suitable to say, well, I know who my tier one suppliers are, and they manage the levels two and three, and that's part of their responsibility. I think there's been significant acknowledgement that that's not suitable. And more manufacturers across be it automotive and pharmaceuticals, high tech, are taking responsibility and taking ownership for the supply chain. But there's still a lot of questions about how to do so and how to execute upon that. And we hear a lot, you know, you, you can't outsource risk or you can't outsource responsibility. It does seem that that acknowledgement, or at least that sort of phrase has been resonating throughout manufacturers and the more disruptions that they experience and the farther removed they get from some of their manufacturing processes, the more they are aware of making significant changes that'll help them not only manage their direct suppliers, their tier one, but the entire network. I'm anticipating we'll be seeing a lot more about this in the near future. You've been listening to Supply Chain Radio. <laughs>